Welcome back to Wanderhans. I trust that you're well in all your ways. And if you happen to be feeling down, that's okay too. But don't stay down for too long. I'm sending you positive vibes so that you can translate all your negative into positives. And I understand that not all days are good days, but we are thriving and that's what's important. I also want to welcome you to the month of July. But firstly, I want to give a big birthday shout out to all the July babies. I pray for God's love to cover you in everything that you do. Here's to another year of greatness for you, my friends. And a big congratulations to all the graduates of 2023. I'm super duper proud of you for completing what you started. That's really important. Being educated is important. And I wish all the children a happy summer. Um, and let's go out there and do the best we can in our communities by volunteering and planting trees, planting plants, and being part of nature because that's what this life is about. Now, today's episode is inspired by my country, my nationality, and my birth home. And so the recent Independence Day of June 30th, there's a lot to cover on this topic, but right now I'm only going to talk about two things. And this is your official trigger warning because today's topic isn't for the faint of hearts. There are mentions of war, war-related crimes, rape, death, and all other things that come with conflict minerals. So if you want to stop here and go find something else to do, you can listen to my other episodes. But if you want to stay and stick through the conversations, that's great because we can learn something and go on about our lives because that's just what life is about, learning. Whether things are tough or easy, it's just nice to educate ourselves Now, my question for you for today, considering June 30th was my country's uh, quote-unquote Independence Day, what do you think of when you hear the words independence? Answer that for yourself, but by definition, a country's independence is one that is free, is free from control or other influences, support, aid, or many other things. But then this definition technically means that no country can fully be independent because we all rely on one another for resources. But the independence I'm talking about today and all of the other things that came with Congo's problem have to do with um, a lot of drama and a lot of uh, atrocities that came with all the drama. So. Let's just uh, nitpick on some of the things that I wrote down and we can explore the topic. Some of this you might be hearing for the first time. Some of this are things that people know, but majority of the time these things don't get educated. And so we're here to talk about it. Now, personally, besides the borders that were drawn by humans and other rules that are created in the names of having a progressive society, we can tell that our planet itself is pretty much free to explore, Um, especially when people get past certain barriers, being that a lot of us have gotten to where we've gotten over the 
thousands of years of existence because we fought to get to where we needed to be. Therefore, um, we exist where we are today because we migrated. And with migration comes obviously problems when it comes to dealing with other humans. So imagine if, um, as global citizens today, if we're all given a global passport and we were free to roam. Now, if you're a good person and you have a global passport, you can do so much with it. But the way the human brain works and the way evil happens to work in people, free access to the world does not sound great because the evil that exists will lead people to do really bad things. And again, we're living in a world where a lot of the free access for some people has brought all of the bad problems that exist today. And that's one of the topics that I'm here to cover because it's something that is close to my heart, something that is close to my home, and I want to share it with my podcast. And now, um, I I don't know where to start, but it's always nice to start from the beginning and move on to whatever it is. So, ah, yeah, yeah, how do I even start this? We can go based off, okay, technology. I'll just start there. Because I know when it comes to the progression and advancement in technology, for us, we know that there are decisions that have to be made to cater to the growing community. But unfortunately for most of the humans existing today, majority of the decisions are made for them by a small amount of people who hold most of the power. Yet in the end, majority of us who appear to be powerless in these decisions are actually the ones with all the power, but have been conditioned to fold to the small percentage that have all the power. And with this said, I think of my home, I think of my story, and I think of Congo. So when it comes to Congo, you don't need a college degree to understand the story of this, but it's like from a single Google search, there's so much that you can find, but the very few, the very little, or the most that I know has come with um, just being Congolese. And you know that Congo is the Democratic Republic of Congo, my birth home, and So June 30th, we're supposed to be celebrating this year is our 63rd independence from Belgium. And that was gained 60 years ago in 1960. Now, with that independence, before that, there's a lot that happened. And a lot of it, they don't get to teach people in school. But I will tell you the bit that I know because it's important for you to understand. Going back to 1841, there is a man, I don't know his name, but he wanted to establish uh, trading posts because, you know, in the early 1800s, like the trading posts that were being established by a lot of explorers. I tried to Google his name, but I can't find it. And I'll just leave it at that. But one day if I find it, I'll obviously bring it up because this topic will continue for as long as I have a podcast. Now, all of the trading posts that he wanted to establish were along the coastline of Africa. But because there wasn't much need to go inland, this guy didn't want to go inland. Um, But after many, many years, 
they went inland slowly and there was an English explorer by the name of Henry Morton Stanley. Now you'll hear this guy's name a lot when you start to talk about the establishment of Congo in the beginning. And also because he's an explorer and he helped map out like most of our um, current maps today. And all this was happening during the trading times. And at the same time, uh, Stanley was hired by the Belgian king um, to pretty much like look at the forest and the areas to see like what goods that he can get from there so he can take it back to Europe. Because at this time, um, Europe was experiencing obviously like a advancement and everything, but then they came to a halt because they didn't have certain raw materials. And then um, at the same time, there was like a depression and then some African countries decided that they're going to help Europe by continuing this trading and all this stuff. But unfortunately, you guys, this story is insane for those that don't know. Um, in 1885, uh, you've probably heard of the scramble for Africa, right? So mind you, in 1880 is when Stanley was in Congo doing his thing and establishing whatever, looking for certain things, and then he got hired to do this work. But five years later, they go back to Berlin where they're having this Berlin conference. And the scr scramble for Africa happened at the Berlin conference where these countries pretty much decided the future of Africa and trade mapped out Africa, everyone got their part of Africa, and that was that. So for those of you who don't know about the Scramble for Africa or the Berlin Conference, there were seven European countries at the time, and let me name them for you so you can kind of understand the context of where things will go. Germany, France, Belgium, Italy, Portugal, Spain, and Britain. They were all there. And at that conference... Our guy here, King Leopold II, happened to be in the room when he took upon himself pretty much announcing that the Congo Free State will be his own private personal property. And guess what? All those countries in place signed, signed it off and they agreed to it. I don't know how you feel about that, but you know... Let's look back at the 1800s if you understand monarchies and succession or kinship or acquisition through power, you'd know that these things are very common. And back then, only the seven countries were pretty much ruling most of the area, so they did whatever they pleased and this man acquired Congo. So then he goes there and, oh my gosh, after acquiring Congo... You guys, things got worse. Things got worse. Because in his eyes, he saw potential for um, in the ivory business. And he started working with ivory business and everything. And you know, uh, when you think of Europe and like a lot of the ivory that they took from Asia and India and Africa, like it was a lot. They made, you know, jewelry, piano pieces. They made um uh what do you call um like uh sculptures just a bunch of stuff right so then 
because his friend Stanley was an explorer and they found rubber. So this guy switched from ivory to rubber. And this is where a lot of problems started because you go from freaking killing elephants and then now we're going to killing plants. With rubber, mind you, when more technology came along and they had to establish things that needed rubber, like, you know, cars and other things, this became like the market. And so this guy, this guy, you guys, things get juicy. So just sit back and relax. Because one thing you know about the economy is like the higher the demand, obviously they need for more labor. And in order to sustain that supply, there has to be way more labor. But this guy was a hungry, sinister imperialist with all this colonial power. And he had been given the whole of Congo to himself. What do you think he's going to do? Things got worse. Things got worse. Let's pause and understand that no one will ever tell you these things because even the smallest mentions of this topic doesn't get brought up by a lot of people. And because it's sad, like it's ridiculous. So mind you, I, when I, when it comes to this topic, like I learned a lot of this by accident because when we watched the Blood Diamond movie, um, I learned about the word conflict minerals and as a young 15 year old, I just went on the internet and looked for certain conflict minerals and Congo came up and I was intrigued. I was like, oh my God, that's my country. Like, let me read about this. And before that, like you always hear parents talk about certain minerals that are in technology and things that happened like in the 60s and 70s, but a lot of it didn't make sense. So when I started to learn about these things, it was actually really sad, but I didn't know how to process all the information. And now I can say like, as an adult, I've had more education since then. And the things that I know are just things that I don't know why I find value in this, but I really do. And that's why I feel like I need to share it. But back to the king and all of the, when he started off with um, all of the demand and then the car companies and all of these things were going on. So at the time, with his highest amount of uh, rain within the Congo, he had recruited army people from Sweden, Italy, Norway, Denmark, and other places. Then he got local soldiers, like from Congo, Congolese soldiers, and he got them to do some awful things. And I'm going to warn you right now, uh, it's a lot. He thought that it was a good idea to have the Congolese people come up with a daily quota of harvested rubber. It didn't even matter how long or how young or if it was male or female, like anyone who didn't meet this daily quota, they got their arms cut off. And this guy didn't stop there. His army forced family against each other and they picked people who were familiar with each other to perform these violent acts. And even went as far as parading the cutoff limbs to show off what they had done. To top it off, they cut off children's limbs of the parents who were not working, quote unquote, hard enough. They went on and burned villages. They were raping women. They were mass um, 
rape, uh, what do you call it? mass raping? Yeah, that. And then the people that they would kill or the people that would die off, they would force the same people to perform um, violent acts on them. And then they would like bury these people or burn them just so they can like cover the evidence. And they did this for many years. And so I, for this episode, obviously, I needed to look up certain things. And I found out that the ratio that they had back then, I didn't even know this before until like two days ago. It was a ratio of one to six, where for every one white soldier or foreign soldier, they had six locals. And they were training this man and recruited them. And they called this um, La Force République, the Republic Force. And honestly, feel free to Google this stuff up because part of this Force République, I didn't know about it. And then learning about it today, obviously, just made me even more sad because it was just people going against each other and like peace being disturbed. But I just, yeah. The real numbers, honestly, of how many people died are always fluctuating because according to the UN or Britannica, they say that it's upwards of 10 million people. Now from 1885 to 1908, you guys, that's what, 15 years or less? I don't know my math. 13 years? In 13 years, if 10 million people died under a rule of one person, why wasn't Europe you know, coming out here like, what's this guy doing? And people weren't sending messages? Like, I don't know. Either way, Belgium finally came in 1908 and they stripped this guy of his title, obviously, took away his kinship, his ownership of Congo, everything. And... When I was like looking up the army, I found out I found out about these army men and then I was like they called it the Congo Free State, but why was it called the Congo Free State? That's the one thing that I actually don't know about. But anyway, I'm going to google that later cuz I just realized I don't know why it was called the Congo Free State, but I could only assume or imagine cuz I can't really assume when it comes to history, but because back then, like, you could just claim an area that was yours, maybe that's why it was a free state, like, I don't know, but anyway, um, parts of the story just gets worse, because yes, he left, and all villains must be defeated at some point, because not even a year left into his power, well, when he went home in 1909, this man died, so, of course, he dies. And now from 1908, Belgium just takes over Congo. And rather than it being under one ruler, one man under his ownership, it just became a state of Belgians running it, I guess. So imagine from 1908 to 1960, a lot happened. And all of that is the history that they teach us as kids in school, but not in depth. So I can't go deep into it because it's a lot, but it's actually a very beautiful part of the story that I like, and I'd like to cover it another day because I don't like having my episodes be way too long. Um, so we'll talk about 1908-1960 another day, but um, the important thing to remember is just the independence that happened 
But when the independence happened, the second curse of Congo happened, which are the conflict minerals. And that's the one thing that I'm very passionate about. And I research a lot. And it's the reason why we can talk about another day. Because as the world continued to grow and advancement in technology continued and many electronics were being made, so was the search for more raw minerals. Now, a lot of this search for raw minerals obviously ruined generations of Congolese people because we went from like rubber and ivory and other um, materials but during that whole time, because obviously since the early 1800s, coltan has always been around. It's just that it wasn't harvested as fast because the technology wasn't invented. But the more that the technology was being invented, the more that the need for it happened. So when it comes to a lot of like ships, submarines, um, laptops, any material that needs to resonate like Wi-Fi or like wireless communication, they need this product to put it into the, um, it's like a byproduct called tantalum. And then they put it uh, in the, you know, the electrical panels, like the very, very small green things. So they add it in there and that's what helps with like Wi-Fi and all that stuff. But um, this is the second curse because yeah, the beginning had to do with like things that, cutting off people's limbs, like come on. And then to find out that, according to the University of Waterloo, their researchers were saying that 80% of the world's deposits of coltan literally comes from Congo. And only the small other percentage comes from Brazil, Canada, Western Australia, some in Venezuela. So you can imagine if 80% of the world's deposits are coming from places that have poor health practices, no safety guidelines, and they're extracting a lot of it for the rest of the world, then you can imagine how that's all being extracted because it's being done by hand because there's no heavy machinery going in there. They're not investing in people to even have safety measures to be working. So I'm not going to trail on about this, but honestly, it's a lot. But when it comes to the story in particular and everything that happened... There's a lot of work that needs to be done to just keep maintaining a country and keeping people safe. And I know I said a lot in this episode, but if you can remember a few things, please just remember, even in my own brain, for my own memory's sake, since 1841, leading up to 1880, when Henry Stanley, you know, explored Congo, mapped out Congo, worked for King Leopold II, and then the seven countries, you know, at the Berlin Conference decided to conduct the scramble for Africa. All of that led to all these trade agreements that have led to all the atrocities that our country and many other countries face today. This is not just a Congo problem, but what part of independence can we really celebrate? Personally, I can celebrate that the country was left alone, even though it was left alone to fend for itself after all the decades of exploitation. I can celebrate that we're slowly gaining our freedoms by educating ourselves about our choices and the involvement of what's happening to us. 
Um, we can celebrate the daily human connections that we have with each other, I guess, even though some of the humanity has been stripped away because of all these bad things. You know, generations of families have been ruined by colonial powers and other things. Can't always blame colonial powers, but, you know, a big part of the history has been with imperialism and movement of people in the world. And for me, in forgiveness, I guess altogether we can reflect on the fact that some of the explorers were just doing their jobs to help, I guess, modernize um mappings of the world or vegetation or animal sciences. Others were just innocently researching for the betterment of education. It just happens that a few chose to act in violent ways for their own personal gains. But in forgiveness, I can understand that Yes, we can accept suffering as a part of life, but it should not be tolerated, especially when it's at the hands of people, like a few people in power. And in forgiveness, I know that there has to be changes that are made for the generation that, you know, is to come so they don't keep suffering the same way that their ancestors did. And I'm just going to, I don't know. I guess I can just say in the end, like, I trust in God for delivering his people time and time again. And I know that there will be a time of peace and that there are people working, you know, tirelessly to establish whatever safer measures that they're doing around the world. There are acts of reconciliation all over and... I don't know. The rest of us who are standing today are only here because of the efforts and blessings that came from our ancestors. And I always imagine, like, out of all the many who died, what are our chances that we're here? I don't know if you ever think about that, but I do think about it a lot. Like, what were my great, 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 great grandparents doing during all these difficult times? Because that humbles me to know that I'm here and I've lived because they fought to stay or they ran, whatever it is that they did. I have a responsibility in my community because I'm freer than they ever were. So I have to continue to educate myself as much as possible and be part of the peacemaking um, and be part of the peace and prosperity and if you can imagine the peace that they prayed for while they were facing all these hardships, that is something that I'm very proud of. And so I'm just going to end this episode um, because I picked this song for today, actually. is my national anthem. It's named Debut Congolais. It was written by Joseph Lutumba. He was an, a historian and a professor. And to me, the beauty of this song is that it was sang um, at the independence, which is really great to know that it was written really quickly and then sang when we gain our independence. So we used to sing the song in elementary school like every single morning because I was part of like the assembly and I used to hate it, but 
I had to Google the words today for the sake of the podcast because it speaks really loud. Um, so here's a quick listen, and then I'll translate it for you. I'm not a singer, but hey, this is how it goes. <laughs> this is how it goes. Debu Congole ini palasa ini dans la fort pour l'indépendance. Dressons enfant, long ta et pour des bons prenons le plus bel élan dans la paix. Oh, um, how does it go? Oh, peuple ardent, la belle. Nous bâtirons un pays plus beau qu'un va dans la paix citoyenne. Entonnez mes sacrés de votre solidarité. Fièrement saluez les brèmes d'or de votre souveraineté. I think that's how it goes. Don Beni Congo, Desaye Congo. Au pays Congo, bien-aimé Congo, nos peuples ont aussi... How does that part go? Et nous assurerons ta grandeur. 30 juillet au doux soleil, 30 juillet du 30 juin, jour sacré, sois le témoin, jour sacré de l'immortel, c'est matin de liberté que nous les gens à notre postérité pour toujours and my favorite part about the anthem was like when we got to um the easier parts because it was like don beni congo and i just feel like like breaking down a breaking down desaye congo Opey Congo, Bienname Congo. And then at the end, as kids, honestly, we just vibe out to like, Trente joie au douce soleil, Trente joie au tante joie. Because none of us, honestly, none of us knew like the rest of the words. <laughs> we just knew the little bit of the part. I'm ashamed that I don't know the full anthem. Like, I know the full anthem, but not fully, fully. Because I had to Google the words. But um, yeah, that's my anthem. And so <laughs> I'll translate it for you. <laughs> Literally, that just brought me back. Oh my God. That just brought me back to grade four. Um, so, Debu Congolais means obviously stand up Congo, the Congolese people. Unite by fate, united in the effort for independence. Let us raise our foreheads long bent and for good let's take the most beautiful momentum in peace O oh, ardent people by labor we will build a more beautiful country than before in peace citizens sing the sacred hymn of our solidarity proudly salute the golden emblem of your sovereignty blessed gift congo ancestors congo Oh, country, Congo, beloved Congo, we will populate your soil and ensure your greatness. 30 June, oh, sweet son, 30th June from June 30th, holy day, be the witness, sacred day of the immortal, oath of freedom, 
that we bequeath to our prosperity forever. You guys, some words when they're translated, they don't sound that great, but in French, it all makes sense. Um, some of the words have been translated in like other Congolese languages. And honestly, a home language is a home language and things make sense in it. But if you could learn something from me today, stand up Congo and arise because our prosperity is forever, right? And my favorite line, we will populate your soil and ensure your greatness. That's so beautiful. I will leave this podcast here. It's probably my longest podcast, but um, you can understand it's because of my country. But <sighs> God bless my Congolese people. Let's just stop recording because um, I could trail on forever about Congo and all its greatness and our music. Oh, my God. We haven't even gone there. You guys, let's talk about our Congolese songs. Another day, obviously, but for right now, I'll leave you alone. Have a wonderful, blessed day wherever you are. Be the ble- the best you, even the blessed you that you absolutely can be. And I will see you in another episode. Bye.